For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to First Trade, the show where we're educating new investors and traders. We recognize that some of us are experienced traders and some of us aren't. That's why we wanted to level the playing field and make the markets accessible to everyone. Thanks for tuning in and we hope you enjoy the show. What's going on, everyone? And welcome, welcome, welcome to First Trade episode number 15. Uh, wow, we really, uh, we've been moving along pretty quick there. I feel like I say that every week, though. Um, <laughs> I am joined today by my co-host, Mr. Michael Murray. Michael, what is going on, sir? Shalom. How are you? I'm doing pretty great. Um, this is the first time in a while where I'm able to say that like my portfolio actually doesn't look like a total shit show uh, at the starting of the sto uh, starting of the show. So I can't complain. Will it, it actually be like is that tomorrow? It's really good today. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty hot. Um, I tell you, my Celsius shares are up. I actually bought Celsius. What'd you buy that? Uh, ooh, good question. But I know I bought it like two weeks ago, and it's up a lot since then. So I'm I'm digging it. Nice. Torch, nice. torch lights up. Doge uh, Doge was up actually. I, torch I lights up, Doge. but it's yeah. not like uh, it's not still not close to where I actually bought into it. So it's like getting there. Um, yeah. uh, can you uh, real quick? Your mic's a little hot. Can you just move it a little farther away from you? You tell me that every time. I, you always tell me to bring energy, and then you yell at me when no, I'm no, no, bring it, bring mic. it, just. Yeah, I don't know. Um, okay, so for the people who are here and don't want to just listen to us ramble, um, what is First Trade? First Trade is the show where we take you from your first trade uh, and just kind of grow along with us, build a community, all become better traders. I started with my first ever trade on the first episode 15 weeks ago now. Um, and you know what? I feel like I've been learning a lot with these awesome guests we've been bringing on, and we do have another one for you today, of course. Um, so, you know, before well, we get into wait. that, oh, oh, before we do that, I just, I actually want to shout you out, which doesn't happen very often and Whoa. this might not happen again, but you know what? You've built a pretty awesome show. I'm, I'm pretty happy for you. It's been 15 weeks. I remember we started this. It was in the winter. Awesome job, dude. Good for you. Hey, this, thank this you. Really impressive. No, I mean, Franny, our awesome producer is a big part of that. And yeah, Franny too. Michael, you, okay, sure. You're a part of that too. Thank you. <laughs> Awesome. Uh, no, we got. Speaking of which, we got a pretty sick email over the weekend. Uh, my dude Sam emailed me. Uh, he listened to us on podcast, which you can listen to us on podcast. Um, and he just said, "You know what? I left this review for your podcast. I really appreciate you guys making the show." And that made my weekend. I was like, "Whoa, that's awesome!" Um, and I will be sending him some free swag. So, hey, if you want to go leave a review on Apple Podcast or on your favorite podcasting platform. Um, do that. Send me a screenshot and maybe we'll send you something. Also, right. moral of the story, stroke Rohan Zico, he sends you free stuff. So that's what we that's learned. Very nice. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's do it. What are we doing today? All right. 
folks, today we are talking swing trading. Um, so I, I mean, it's what does that actually mean? It can be kind of a general thing when you think about it. Uh, I, I feel like a lot of things can be considered swing trades. Basically, it's just not day trading. But we're gonna get into that with our guest here. And so before you know, I don't want to ramble any longer. We're gonna get Ricky Analog on the stream. He's a day trader. He's a swing trader. Uh, he has a course on TrueTrader.net, um, and he's on. He has a couple YouTube videos, and of course, he's all over that Twitter sphere. So, Ricky, why don't you uh, come on? Hey guys, how's it? How's it going? I'm good. How are you guys? I'm doing well. Doing well. Doing well. Today's a uh, kind of a crazy day. I know we touched on it a little bit. Obviously, another one of those wild meme days in terms yeah. of AMC going crazy. Um, but yeah. Doing pretty well. When you say your uh, portfolio is doing pretty well today, it makes me wonder what you have in there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so granted, like, I mean, just well in comparison to how bad it's been doing over the majority of this show. Because when okay. I started, it's just been like the whole time, you know. Um, well, if you took your first trade on your first episode, you're still you're still really green behind the ears. So give it some time. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I there's I am the baby of this trading world. That is for sure. Um, Ricky, why don't you, you know, for the people who don't know you, why don't you take a second to just tell us a little bit about yourself? Right on. Uh, I am a California resident, father of three, husband, day trader slash swing trader slash uh, just market enthusiast, um, constant student of the market. Been trading for going on eight years now. So I and I consider myself still new. And that's I think that's a byproduct of the fact that it's a never ending education. Love it. Love it. Yeah, no, that perspective is really, I think, really important that like there's always more to be learned, you know, and, and obviously when you look at a day like today, the market is changing. Right. So um, there's always always things to be learned. So what are we talking about today? We're, we're talking a little bit about swing trading, um, which we've touched on a little bit before, but set a baseline. What's what's your definition? You know, what is a swing trade? Uh, for me, it's pretty much any trade I go into knowing that I'll carry it overnight. But typically, I think what most people consider it would be anything from two, three, four days up to three to six months. Um, and, you know, you get a little bit further out and you're starting to get into the world of like position trading and, uh, and investing. OK, so and, and so that is the difference, I guess, between like a day trade or a position trade is mostly the time uh, period which you stay in the trade, right? Correct. Okay. Well, cool. this, this well, this this might be a basic question too. I, I feel like I just wanted to bump this in there because I actually a lot of people have asked me this before. But you would say there's would you say there's a difference between investing and trading? Like, would you consider those two separate terms? Yeah, and it's mostly about what. It, so both both people are really trying to capitalize on a stock appreciating, right? But I think people that invest are going to look at risk differently. So when you're when you're swing trading, I think we really are going to narrow what our amount of risk we're going to allocate to something is. Whereas like somebody that's investing long term that believes in the company, regardless of what happens to the company, to the macro environment, any of that, you know, like the people that are long term investors, most likely are just going to cost dollar average into the trade as it goes against them. And they're not really losing sleep at night about it. Whereas a swing trader should have set risk going into the trade. And, you know, if it starts to go against them, you need to get out and reassess. Cool. Yeah, that makes sense. Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, I just want to shout out Zarian Lewis in the comments. 
that was pretty sweet. Thanks for thanks for donating five bucks. If you have a question, drop it. We will make sure to answer it. Um, there was a uh, yeah, there wasn't really a question there, but appreciate the support. Um, nice. All right, so continuing back into that conversation, do you talk about setting up a swing trade? Talk about risk going into that. When people do this, it might not be the same conviction, like you said, with a, a long-term investor, but someone's typically going in there with some sort of thesis. So um, can you talk a little bit about you know, setting up a thesis, how you might do this, um, and how do you get to that point where, where you are confident enough to think that this is going to happen and this is why I want to enter? Okay. Um, so you're right. You do have to have a thesis. And the the thing about a thesis is there can be a hundred different ones. It's going to depend on what the stock has done recently to get your attention. Um, and that should be step one. There should be something about a stock that gets your attention that needs to put it in your kind of field of view, have a, a reason to even start coming up with a thesis on it. So depending on what is done recently, your thesis will vary. Um, for swing, for swing trades that I take, I have two main things that I look for. I'm either looking to buy, a dip to a trend on an uptrending strong company, or I'm looking for a company that has sold off quite a bit. I know it's a good company, but it's had a major sell off. And I mean, really extended. And then I'm looking for some kind of support to be looking for buyers to step back in. So depending on like which one of those we're talking about, it will definitely uh, change what my thesis is. And um, also it's, it's, you know, both, both things are going to have things in common, but it really is going to depend on which direction you guys. I know you don't have all day to talk about this. I could probably talk for hours. Um, <laughs> you can, if you want to talk about them both, we can talk about them both. Um, but yeah, you're going to have to figure out how you set risk and uh, come up with a game plan and then execute your thesis. Now, what I like about your question was that you're saying like, what's going to give you enough conviction to like put capital at risk? You have to go into every single trade knowing that it doesn't matter how much conviction you have, you still have a, a probability of also being wrong. And you have that's why we have to control our risk. Um, I see a lot of people that get crushed in the, the markets because they have too much conviction and they don't uh, they don't honor their risk. And so, like, yes, you can have enough conviction to put capital at risk, but don't let it be so much conviction that you can't stop out of your trade. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I think the number one thing is, like you said, you know, when you're, especially when you're, when you're at this point where you're taking risks with your capital, you have to know that really you should be putting in money that you know you can lose, that you're comfortable losing, you know? Um, so when you're talking about preparing for that, how do you personally do your due diligence for, in terms of like setting up swings? So for when I swing trade, I don't swing trade jump. So like when, when we discuss these things, let's just have a, a disclaimer that anything I'm talking about is going to be a company that's a stronger company. We're not talking about the small cap, low float stuff. Okay. So with that kind of disclosed, I don't have to do a ton of DD on like the fundamentals of a company. I know Facebook is fundamentally okay. I know um, like Etsy and PayPal and Apple and things like that, they're going to be fine. And you know, they, there's big old hedge funds out there with billions of dollars under management that they pay guys, way more than my uh my paycheck is to, to look into those kinds of things so like I don't, i'm not going to discover something in facebook's uh fundamentals that somebody else hasn't already found um i'm pretty much basing everything off technicals and just knowing some basic underlying principles of how stocks move so the number one thing 
that people should understand about trading, and this applies to any single time frame, is that stocks can only trend one way. They have to either make higher highs and higher lows to go up to have an uptrend or lower highs and lower lows to be in a downtrend. That's the only two ways they can move, really. And uh, now they, you can look at a one minute chart and you can literally pretend that those one minute candles are daily candles and you will see the same things. So that's one of the really neat things about the stock market is that a, a concept that is robust and can be uh, actually relied upon should be apl applicable applicable <laughs> to any time frame. So anything I talk about on a daily chart, a weekly chart for swing trades, you should be able to apply that same stuff to day trades as well. So that's one thing to kind of like make sure you understand is how stocks move. Once we understand that, we, we can come up with some thesis. So like, for instance, if we are talking about the setup that I was, I think I first mentioned, which is buying a dip to support in an uptrending stock. Well, I, I prefer to kind of zoom out to like a weekly chart. So I don't have, I, th I think a weekly chart does a very good job of highlighting the really, really important levels. Um, and once you can see that, you can also see the trend. Are we in an uptrend? Are we still making higher highs and higher lows? If so, where can I buy a dip to where I have very defined risk? And your defined risk, if you are trying to join a trend, what you're saying is, your thesis is, that this is going to make a higher low and then continue its trend. So therefore, where does your thesis become wrong if it doesn't make a higher low? If we then lose the previous low, we have to be objective and rational and tell ourselves, look, our thesis was wrong. There's nothing wrong with being wrong. The only thing wrong is staying wrong. So like that's that's where it becomes like honor your stop, honor your risk, stay disciplined and and don't overcomplicate things. Like I feel like what I just described is as simple as it gets. Is a stock making higher highs and higher lows? And if so, where can I buy a dip where I'm risking against the previous low? And then from there, it just becomes an issue of how much size to put on. That's that's literally just a byproduct of how far away your stop is and how much money you're willing to risk. That makes sense. Um, uh, and Micah, I'll let you follow up real quick. But just based on that, right, you're talking about, you know, concepts, like you said, that are very similar to day trading. Um, my question is more from like a logistical standpoint is when you're doing this, how often are you looking back at that chart or do you just decide on a set period in your mind where you're like, all right, I'm going to check here and there. Um, like when are you looking to get out of that? Um, how do you decide how long that swing is? Okay. So for me, both the two setups that I kind of, uh, describe to you guys each have their own specific targets. So for the one we were just talking about where we're trying to join trend, let's, so we already talked about where is your thesis wrong because obviously you're, you're making lower lows instead of higher lows, right? Well, on the flip side of that coin, where's your thesis right? The trend can only continue is if we continue higher. So the first target for me on a, when I'm trying to join trend is the previous highs. I will sell a piece there and then I'm trying to trail it out. Um, now, if we're talking about the other version of it where it's an extreme sell off, I'm looking for something to get extremely oversold to a point where it at least has room back to whatever time frame is in control of the, the smaller time frame downtrend. And that would be where I'm aiming for. So that's how you kind of can estimate the reward. So you see if you're getting a good risk reward. Um, 
And then from once you hit your first targets from there, there's it's not really right or wrong. It's personal preference, how you would like to trail that out. Nice. Yeah, that's solid. Yeah. I guess so. So my question was going to be, and this was like a little bit off topic, but kind of what you were talking about before. I mean, so what is your what does your trading schedule look like? Are are you swing trading like all day? Are you doing like a mix of trading at the open, trading long term, like up to three to six months? I know you said a swing trade can go. What's your schedule look like as far as when you're trading and when you're kind of taking a break? Um, well, for me, it's gonna it might be different. Like, so the reason I actually think swing trading is a great thing for a lot of people is because it gives you the ability to open up your schedule, right? You can have a job and swing trade. You can uh, not sit at the screens all day and feel like you're a slave to uh, your computer. A lot of people like pretend that they want to trade because it, it gives them freedom. And then what do they do? They sit in front of the computer all day. Are you free? I don't know. Um, if you, if you actually do value that ability to go out and be your own boss and have free time, you know, spend it with your kids or your family or whatever it is you do, Swing trading is great for that. Um, me personally, I day trade as well. And I'm also like a moderator over a true trader. So like I'm at the desk at 4 a.m. And, you know, I probably go to the gym in the middle of the day, which is kind of morningish where I live. Um, and then I'm done by 1 p.m. But that's still like 4 p.m. East Coast. Uh, so like I spend like a full day, but, you know, I'm actually trying to like help educate traders. And I'm also taking day trades. If I was just swing trading, you wouldn't catch me at the desk for more than probably 30 minutes a day. Wow. Because, I mean, the homework is really done. Uh, you can do all the homework it takes to swing trade when the markets are closed because you're literally looking at daily or weekly candles the same way a day trader should be looking at like a one minute, a five minute or a 15 minute candle, whatever people are trading off of. And so when you have the ability to almost like freeze time and look at the market from that through that window, you can do all your homework, you know, at 7 p.m. at night, wake up the next morning, put your orders in to either buy on the open or buy at the close or whatever it is. Or maybe you have a trigger set where if it crosses here, I want to buy it. Um, and you can already have your stops planned. You can already have your targets planned. And honestly, like the more you stare at the screens, the more you're likely to actually mess that trade up because you're going to see it either going against you and you'll second guess yourself. Or you can see it working for you and you're going to want to take profits early. You really got to be disciplined in sticking with your thesis. You're either right or you're wrong, your target or your stop. And uh, where people get messed up is they, they, they kind of finick with it. They, you know, if you start taking profits early, well, guess what? If you always do that, but then you always stop out at your full stop. Now you don't have the, the situation where your winners are bigger than your losers. Um, or if you add to a loser where you should have stopped out again, your losers are always going to be bigger than your winners and trading is just a, it's just a numbers game. It's literally, everybody likes to try to think like, I'm going to outsmart the market. It's all about what's up here. It's not, it's a numbers game. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and I mean, when you're talking about like swing trading and, and just, the the logistics of doing something like that, I feel like for a normal person, right? Like I'm, I'm over here at Benzinga, I'm working, Mike's working. Um, I feel like most people are probably going to be doing something along the lines of swing trading if they're getting into trading, unless yeah. they're you know full outgoing. So, um, I don't know. I definitely think it's like a area to focus on and, and kind of like really get disciplined about because you know day traders will kind of learn it fast because they you know they're sitting there and like you said the emotions are messing with you. you you'll make more mistakes and then uh, I feel like you'll learn quickly. But no, it definitely. Definitely I'd actually important. say I, I I honestly recommend people start with swing trading. 
everybody wants to day trade because they see all the flashy stuff. It, it's not what it's it's not what everybody on social media portrays it as. Yeah. No, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean for the few couple times I've I've tried anything remotely like it, uh, it is an emotional roller coaster. That <laughs> that much I know. <laughs> well, and you should also know that that's literally working against you because the second you have emotions involved. You're not making the exact same decision you would if there were no emotion. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, I, I could pull out a couple of examples of just in the past couple of weeks where that's happened to me, <laughs> yep. and uh, it still happens to me every time, regardless, no matter what I tell myself. So, I'm getting there, but. <laughs> um, okay, uh, or were you about to say something, Michael? No, no, go for it. You okay, take okay. it away. Um, we've talked about risk a little bit, specifically. Um, how do you set your risk when you're going into stuff like this? Uh, for swing trades, I'm pretty strict about it. So I I only like to risk 1% of my total account value on any given trade. So the reason behind that is, is, is very straightforward. I don't want any single trade to wreck me. And neither should anybody. Like you, you should have this kind of philosophy that no one trade should really matter that much. Because if a trade does matter that much, like you, for whatever reason, this is the one. It has to be it. Think about how hard that makes it to cut that trade if it doesn't work, right? You get way too emotionally invested in it. I look back at my statistics from 2020, you know, I have like 1,800 trades. There's no reason any one out of 1,800 should matter. They're just another drop in the bucket, right? So if you only risk 1% of your account on any given trade, you can be wrong a whole lot and you're never going to risk getting damaged, right? You're, you're really going to be able to give yourself the ability to have longevity, sleep at night, and not really stress out about any single trade. So for who, whoever's listening, right? If you have, we're just going to do an example. We'll keep numbers kind of round just for simple math. But let's say you have a $50,000 account. I would recommend keeping your risk right around 500 bucks per trade. And so once you know what your risk is, you kind of look at your thesis and you say, okay, where does this stock have to go where I'm wrong? So if we're, if we're doing a trend join, right? And obviously the previous low would mean that we're no longer in that uptrend we thought we were. So that's where I'm wrong. Okay, let's say that that is one point away from where you're entering. Simple, you take 500 shares and you let the trade work. It either goes to your target or it stops you out. You lose your 500 bucks, it's 1% and you don't care. You don't, you don't second think it. Um, you literally just move on to the next one. And I honestly, I, I really do kind of keep that same philosophy for my day trading as well. Um, I will manage fly, uh, risk on the fly a lot more with the day trade, but with, with swing trades, I like to put them on. I'm either right or I'm wrong and just let it play out. And, and what do you recommend for people? Because you, you gave the $50,000 example, but what do you give uh, for the people who are looking at much smaller accounts, myself, yeah. right? Like, yeah. um, I mean, I, I have my Roth IRA, but in terms of what I'm just like trading and just testing stuff on my accounts, like a thousand bucks right now, you know, it's nothing yeah. crazy. And listen, I honestly, people, people have this question all the time. And here's the thing. When you tell them that I still think one, and you know, you can do two, three, 4% of your account. You're, you're, you only give yourself enough runway to be wrong a, a lot less. But what most people are concerned with when they hear that is they're like, well, okay, if I'm going to risk 10 bucks on a thousand dollar account, that means I can only take, I don't know, let's say the stop, your stop is one point away again. You can only take 10 shares. And what do they always say? 10 shares. I can, how can I make money with 10 shares? Well, when you're starting out, it shouldn't be about making money. It should be about learning a craft because 
You need to learn what you're doing and get this. As you win, as you learn, as your account grows, 1% becomes a larger amount. So as your account grows, you actually earn the right to size up. Yeah, that's that a makes great sense. point. Love that. It's, it's almost like another form of discipline there. Um, and shout out Lucas, uh, giving Ricky some love in the chat. Um, but it, it's almost like another form of discipline because the reason, half I'd say half the reason that most people get into this is, well, they want to make money, right? Um, and most people, yeah, they'll, they'll say, yeah, I'm thinking about it long term, but they probably aren't thinking just how long term they really should be thinking about it, you know? Um, and, and as they get into it, it almost takes a certain level of discipline to not go all into it. You know, even right. Like my first trade was like, I wasn't thinking about like a percentage or anything like that. I was just like, all right, what's a number I'm comfortable losing hundred bucks, you know? And that's what I'm going to put in it. Um, that trade is much lower than a hundred bucks. Mike Murray. <laughs> thanks. Um, but anyway, point being it, it, it's, I feel like a, a small number like that can be really hard for people to get excited about, but you know, I guess the perspective is really important there. But again, getting excited about it means emotions are coming in. Mm-hmm. We don't want that. We want yeah. no emotion. We want to learn it. And here, you know, I actually have a, a really good friend, my best friend. He He's in the world of reselling. And like he has a lot of people in his ear that they want to learn this stuff, right? And they want to learn what he has to teach them about his kind of industry. And he was telling me, he's like, dude, there's been a, a paradigm shift from people actually wanting to be taught how to fish to they literally want to be spoon fed now. And that's like the new thing. And it it, it actually, it will never work in the stock market. There's been alert services for decades, probably even longer, probably way longer than that. You know, it's always been about a hot tip and they never work. You never make money off a hot tip. You make money off a discipline, long-term discipline. And uh, that kind of, that's actually a good, I'm happy I said that because it reminded me about something I wanted to always mention when I talk to people about risk and stuff, and that is, you can make money in a trade that you should have stopped out of, right? You should, you know, you should have stopped out. And what do you do? You add. And what happens? You might make money on that trade. And I say this to everybody, you can make money on a bad trade and you can lose money on a good trade. You need to disassociate the, the winning or losing of money with good or bad. It's not, it has nothing to do with that. The problem is this, how much money might you make by adding to a loser and then it comes back and works in the end, right? How much money might you make? I don't know. If you were uh, down a hundred bucks and you're, you were only supposed to be risking 50 and then it comes back and you end up making 200 bucks, great. But is that 200 bucks that, that really um, quick uh, satisfaction, gratitude or whatever they call it is, is that enough to cover the years of losses you're gonna have to endure because you're ingraining these bad habits? And my, my guess is no, because if you start doing that early on, you get rewarded for it. You start to think like, oh, I can just add the losers. Well, it might work a few times, but the time that it doesn't is the time that you lose all those gains and some. And then plus it puts you in a like a mental fog where you may actually take a while to even come back to trading in a profitable manner. Whereas maybe if you just stay disciplined, it might suck right now taking your 50 buck loss or whatever it is, right? But in the long run, that's what pays dividends is discipline. That's a great point. Rohan, I'm trying to remember, who who was it? We had a guest on pretty early in one of the first few episodes, and he said something like, you know, investing is not supposed to be a game. Trading and investing isn't supposed to be like a, an arcade game where you go there and you're having a blast and it's fun. And he's like, we've kind of gamified this market now where everybody's so excited to jump into meme stocks and everything else we're doing. Like, it's, it's kind of like a game. And he's like, it should be a grind. Like, you should be good at it. It should be your craft. 
but you're not here to like play games the whole time. Like you should be, you should be good at it and setting a good, a good base, you know, a good foundation before you get into trading. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't recall specifically, but no, that's uh, definitely some good words of wisdom there, Ricky. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, we do have to wrap it up. We got the next show, uh, pre-market prep at the close, coming on right about now. But uh, really enjoyed our conversation. Definitely some some things that, you know, no matter how many times you hear them, you got to, you got to, you know, take it seriously. You got to be, you know, ingrained with it. So appreciate it. And uh, we'll have to get you back on and, and talk a little nice. more. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, man. Appreciate yeah. it. Peace. See ya. All right, folks. That was First Trade episode 15. Unfortunately, we do have to go, but we will see you next week for the next episode. Mike? Peace. See ya. Adios. I'll see ya. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.